Hello and welcome. My name is Liva Bonnevi and this is episode 14 from Clan of the Horses, a podcast about horses and horse people. In today's episode, I thought I'd say something about the danger of being a rider. And I will illustrate it with a handful of accidents I have experienced firsthand and survived. I must admit that after 40 years spent with horses, I have a whole library to choose from. But I've picked a handful of stories, five to be more precise, to illustrate what riding can be like when margins are too slim. But most importantly, I want to share what these accidents have taught me. The first story occurred on a beautiful Norwegian winter's day. It was minus 10 degrees, and the sky was deep blue and the sun was shining. It had been snowing all night, and the whole county was covered with a thick white blanket. Powder snow in knee height, to be precise. And as a Norwegian rider, my sense of snow is very precise. I guess one of the secrets behind the Norwegian success in cross-country skiing is our deep understanding of snow. Snow can be light or heavy, wet or dry, soft or hard, sharp or blunt, cold or freezing cold. It depends on numerous factors. And when it comes to horse riding, snow can be either good news, bad news or both, depending on the day, context and location. On this particular day, it seemed like good news at first glance. The snow was light, dry and soft. We call it powder snow. And if it's not too deep, it is the best footing you can get when riding horses. It feels like you are riding on silk or cotton. It's gentle to the horses because it weighs nothing. And it brings out the best in their gates. And it also tends to make them playful. And it for sure also has an effect on the rider. Riding through a cloud of snowing gallop can lift even the heaviest of spirits. And then there's the sound. Let's not forget the sound. The sound of a three-beat gallop barely touching the knee-deep soft snow on the ground. A sound that makes sound of hoof hitting the soft forest floor hard. We were soon enough in gallop, through the forest with rime from the frost mist covering our horses, helmets and hair. Me first on the dark brown Icelandic mare, my best friend on her dun gelding right behind us. We had a brilliant time. What we didn't know though was that when it started snowing the night before, a farmer on the neighboring farm had used his snow plow to get his car out leaving a thick bank of snow right across the narrow road. And during the snowy and windy night, a significant amount of drifting powder snow had piled up next to it. So the snow went from knee-high to almost waist-high in just two strides. Two strides where the mare I was riding was brought into a very abrupt halt and felt on her knees, instantly struggling to get back up again, while I flew bird-like over her neck and ended up buried in the snow in front of her without ever letting go of the reins. When I opened my eyes again, I was lying on my back in the snow, stuck between the front legs of a horse that had just gotten back on her feet, but not fully regained her balance in the deep snow. My upper body was squeezed between her front legs, my lower body was under her belly, and I had to hold on to the reins to prevent her from moving forward and walk all over me. But that was not my only challenge. When I fell, my mouth and nose was covered with snow. Snow that felt as if it was glued to my face. So much snow that I couldn't breathe. But I had no hands to brush it away with. They were both clinging onto the reins for dear life. My horse was in a state of panic and needed to move forward to regain her balance. 
but there was I lying on the ground, not being able to make a sound. And given the emergency, I did something I have not done in years. I jerked the bit as hard as I could. And when she stiffened for a moment, and suddenly realized I was lying there, she put the weight on her hind legs. And I got the second I needed to let go of the reins with one hand and brush away the snow so I could breathe again. And I managed to get up in a blink of an eye and found myself standing next to her, gasping for air. Did this accident make any kind of impression on the day it happened? No, I don't think so. I think we just continued our journey towards the kiosk to buy candy, as planned. But I've never ridden at a gallop again on virgin snow without having assessed the weather, and the likelihood for snow having been piled up. And to this day, I've never ridden at a gallop on virgin snow if I didn't have control over what might be hidden underneath it. The second story is from my very short career as a quote-unquote show jumper on an Icelandic horse just for fun. That's not real show jumping, you might object, but I remember the fearless Icelandic horse who beat the experienced show jumpers by making turns you would not believe, finishing off way faster than anyone else. Anyways, the obstacles we used were fairly homemade. That is, they were made of small and slim trees in suitable lengths, found in the forest. In other words, they were made of solid wood and weighed more than materials used to build obstacles normally do. These technical details are essential to the story, because what happened was that I cantered towards the first obstacle, which my horse jumped with brilliance before it tore down the next one and tripled and fell over at the same time. I think it's probably called a somersault when a horse falls on his face and roll over himself and often also roll over the rider. It's not a particularly good deal for neither horse nor rider. But we were going at a rather slow pace and I sort of managed to jump out of the saddle in time so my horse landed next to me instead of on top of me. Again, it didn't really make much impression on me. I just mounted him and tried again. But the second time it happened, I came to the conclusion that jumping in an arena was clearly not one of our talents. And I never did it again. But I'm happy to jump windfalls or creeks in the forest if need be. In the third story, I was riding bareback in the snow at full speed on a borrowed Icelandic mare. And at some point we rode downhill, not really reducing the speed. And when the path made a turn, a very sharp turn to the right, my horse had no problem with it, but uh, I certainly did. So I fell off and ended up under the galloping horse. I remember looking up at her belly in what felt like slow motion as she ran over me, seeing her hind feet moving towards me and feeling her hoof hitting the ground 10 centimeters from my face. I remember it clearly, because when I got up afterwards, I could see the hoof print etched in the snow right next to the pattern made by the backside of my helmet. The mare fled in panic, and I ran after her, also in panic. She was running at full speed towards a highway with plenty of traffic. And I remember bracing myself for the sound of squeaking brakes followed by the thump sound of 400 kilos worth of horse being hit by a trailer. It was easy to tell from the hoof prints in the snow that she was still running as fast as she could and I don't think I've ever run as fast as I did that day in my entire life. If she were to run the fastest way home, two or three hundred meters would be on the actual highway crossing a narrow bridge. But when I came running down towards the highway I saw her in the distance. She had crossed the highway and was still in one piece and she'd chosen a a path that must have seemed like a shortcut for a horse in panic and she had made a left turn into a field just before the bridge but it was a dead end and due to a broad river 
She couldn't get any further, and I managed to connect with her again and got hold of the reins. I knew I had to get up as soon as possible. This is one piece of advice I've always followed. If you fall off, get back in the saddle. Or mount the saddleless horse in this case, to ease the shock from the fall. Within reason, of course. There were rumors at the stable back then about a young girl who had fallen off a school horse during a riding lesson and complained about pain in her right arm, but she was nevertheless forced to finish the lesson in the saddle. Her parents took her to the ER when they came to give her a ride home and when x-rayed it turned out that her arm was broken. I find it very unlikely that she benefited from getting back in the saddle again after a fall like that and with a broken arm. On the contrary, it probably just increased the shock. In order to get back in the saddle, he must be unharmed. And I was after my fall. I had suffered no injuries and teenagers tend to fall with grace unlike middle-aged riders. So I got back on the horse and rode off again without hesitation. But I never galloped down steep slopes again bareback if I didn't have to. And it was this one time I had to do just that. In the fourth story, I was on a trail ride with a friend, riding bareback late in the evening. It was midwinter, pitch black, and apart from the white snow, you couldn't see anything, and it was about minus 15 degrees. The footing was a bit dodgy. It was basically ice covered with a thin layer of snow. I was rather cautious because I had an accident earlier when I galloped through the forest and ran into an elk, and my horse panicked and tried to do a 180 but it was too slippery, so she fell on top of my leg and I injured my foot. It was a mild winter evening and I was with a friend, so she helped me mount again and we rolled back to the stable in walk. It was for sure a painful ride, but we got home all right, and after about three weeks the tiny fracture in my foot was more or less healed. But on this late evening it got a bit more dramatic. It was a lot colder, and when my horse's friend slipped and fell over, She got her leg stuck under him, as I did with my previous accident with the elk. But my friend broke her leg, so this time it was far more serious. So there I was in the forest with two horses and my friend lying on the ground with a broken leg and excruciating pain. So my first worry was that she would go into shock, which can have fatal consequences. So I tried to stabilize her and wrapped her in my jacket to keep her warm. And I spoke to her and comforted her the whole time to keep her calm. This was before the age of the cell phone, so there was no other options but to ride for help. So I tied her horse to a tree a few meters away from her, so it was impossible to get trampled on. And then I urged her to talk to her horse to keep him calm when I rode off at a gallop on my horse. The idea was that my friend would be so busy calming her horse that she forgot about being scared about her own condition. I rode calmly for the first ten meters. Then it was full speed gallop all the way to the stable. I rode as fast as I could, uphill or downhill, didn't matter, bareback or not. I just needed to get help fast, and it was unthinkable to slow down. I remember that I galloped full speed up the last hill towards the farm, and further into the darkened yard. There I found people who could help, told them the story before I ran into the stables to get some blankets to keep my friend warm, and left the farm seconds later in gallop the same way I came in. I stayed with my friend the time it took the farmer to start a tractor and come to our rescue. And while he carried her safely into the farmhouse and called for help, I rode home with the two horses and felt relieved that someone else had taken over the responsibility. I have since avoided riding, or at least being very cautious about riding, when the footing is that risky combination of hard ice and soft snow. The fifth story is from my adulthood. I was on a trail ride with two other riders and it was late fall. 
The ground was rock hard from frost and it was too early for snow. We were riding in walk when a band of fat bikes came charging down a steep hill behind us like bats out of hell. My horse panicked and bolted, but fortunately into a field with grass. I had long rain when it happened and when I lost my balance it was impossible to regain it. I had to jump, so I had to jump off and let the horse go. The good thing about jumping off rather than falling off is that you can sort of influence the way you hit the ground. So I got a nice rotation in my body, so I didn't hit the ground with one solid crash, but rather rolled a few times first. A movement that absorbed much of the impact from the fall. Had I not had momentum out of the saddle that made me roll around when I hit the ground, I think it's a fair chance that I would have broken something or potentially injured myself quite badly. But I got away with some bruises and two days of numbness. The challenge then and there was that I had to let go of the reins when I fell. Hanging after a horse by the bit is something I really try to avoid, but I have a horse that knock on wood is very connected to me, so he galloped a hundred meters or so, then heard me calling and came running back. But he was fairly uptight and quite young at the time, so I decided it would be best if I stay on the ground until his adrenaline level decreased. But then I had to sacrifice getting back into the saddle straight away which would normally be my first concern after a fall. And it did really make a huge difference from the early times where I had fallen off at a younger age and just mounted the horse again straight away. The fall you get as an adult is simply a completely different story than the falls I remember from when I was a little girl or a teenager. It's like hitting a wall. where you used to hit something soft before you more or less bounce back in the saddle again. And this pretty solid fall in combination with the fact that I did not get to sit up in the saddle again straight away, did something to me. Or it probably did something to my brain first and foremost. Something I had to work on for a while before I found my way back to the confidence I have always had on horseback. And I want to use this episode to say something about the process of coming back after an accident. The first thing that happens when you fall off a horse and get injured, or have some pain-related or scary experience, is that you will figure out how deep your passion for horses really is. Because you have to be willing to work your way back after a scare like that. A fall from a horseback is first and foremost a reminder of three things. That riding can be risky. That you cannot always be in control and that life is fragile. So the first thing I did was to decide whether I was willing to take that risk again. And I was. Much based on the experience of how often things actually go well. And at this point in my career, it was still impossible to imagine a life without a horse. It just didn't feel like a brilliant idea. The fall I had did not result in a permanent handicap or long-term injury, but it definitely made me a bit jumpy for a while. So if you want to get back in the saddle as a calm and confident rider, you have to work on it. Work your way back. How hard and how long the journey will be depends on many variables. How serious was the fall, how severe was the injury, and how scared were you? The way back in the saddle is the same, however. Sometimes it only takes a bit longer. First of all, it can hardly be underestimated how incredibly important it is to sit up again immediately, if it is possible to do so in a safe and painless way. Of course, riding with fractures or other serious injuries is not an option. Nor is riding a horse in a situation that may escalate again. That said, I am shocked at how much it amplified the reaction to the fall that I did not get back in the saddle straight away as I've always done before. The next thing that really matters is frequency of exposure. You need to ride often and make sure to maintain solid safety margins at all times, 
to avoid being re-traumatized. One simply has to experience enough time in the saddle without falling off to allow the brain to slowly but surely be reprogrammed to think, yeah, sure, we can do this, no problem. Ride only short rides in the beginning. With people and horses you can trust. Have a friend on the ground with a lead rope if need be. And build the rider you once were brick by brick. Start small. Stick to walk at first and feel free to get on and off during the ride. I also encourage you to use this valuable opportunity to learn a little bit about what anxiety feels like. It is very helpful later when you try to read and understand your horse when he reacts with anxiety. Anxiety always comes from somewhere, and it cannot always be rationalized. Sometimes it just is until it isn't. Being punished, corrected or yelled at is never helpful. Also remember that humans are born with a fear of falling, as Dave Thind mentioned in his interview. You therefore need to prepare for the fact that there may be a small knot left in your stomach that you will never fully be rid of. A knot that tightens quickly if the horse gets out of balance, stumbles, or a situation similar to the ones where you had your accident arises. But choose to look at it as a strength, not a weakness. That reflex can also add value, because it sharpens your senses and ensure you are prepared. The readiness is all, as Shakespeare puts it. And trust me, it will be worth it. You have just heard episode 14 from Clan of the Horses, a podcast about horses and horse people. I want to thank my composer, Fredrik Blom, and I want to thank you, dear listener, for your patience. May the horse be forever with you. <laughs>